Welcome to the latest episode of the IIF Global Regulatory Update Podcast. I'm Martin Boer, Senior Director of Regulatory Affairs at the Institute of International Finance in Washington, D.C. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by EY Global Finance Practice Leaders, Jan Bellens, Tom Campanile, and Peter Davis, to discuss the findings of our new 13th Annual EY IIF Report on Global Bank Risk Management Priorities, entitled Managing Through Persistent Volatility, the Evolving Role of the CRO and the Need for Organizational Agility. Jan Bellens, who is joining us, is Global Banking and Capital Markets Sector Leader at EY. Tom Caponeal is America's Financial Services Risk Consulting Leader at EY. And Peter Davis is America's Financial Services Markets and Solutions Leader. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the key findings from our latest annual Bank Risk Management Survey, which EY and IF are pleased to have conducted together for the 13th consecutive year. As with past studies, the 2023 results present CRO views over the most urgent issues facing their organizations and those that they expect will take on more importance in the next three to five years. So welcome, Jan, Tom, and Peter. It's good to have you all back on the pod. I'm going to start with Jan. This is another major milestone for us as we've been working on this survey together at EY and IF for many years now. The theme this year is all about managing through volatility. Can you talk a bit about why we chose this theme and how volatility is more persistent for chief risk officers now than it has been in previous years? Certainly. Thank you, Martin. And yes, indeed, another great collaboration with IAF for uh, the 13th survey, uh, Lucky 13. Yes, indeed. When we, when we look at this and we also look at the year that's passed us with you know, bank failures, both in the US and in Europe, with the resurgence of wars, and also with the, the advent of really disruptive technologies, I think it's very clear that volatility is a key theme and that there's no such thing as a new normal or a new stable environment to expect. And I think we will see that consistent volatility in, in markets, uh, in geopolitics uh, continue. And that's something that bank organizations and their chief risk officer teams will need to prepare for. And I think What we've seen over the years, Martin, is, of course, that the instruments for the chief risk officer and their teams, their toolkit has dramatically improved. But at the same time, the volatility in the market has also been more challenging on the organization. And I think that creates a need for further agility and speed, which we'll come back to later in the organization, both for the CRO and his team, but also for the organization as a whole. It's really important for the CROs to get really good at whack-a-mole um, because that continues the, the game that, uh, that they will need to, to be playing. Right. So given today's market and operational realities that you sketch on, I wanted to ask Tom, How are CROs responding and how are they reacting to the ongoing proliferation of risk inside but also outside the banking industry? No, thanks for the question, Martin. Um, As you might recall, when we launched last year's survey, uh, I borrowed from the list of uh, Best Picture film nominees and said it was the everything, everywhere, all at once risk agenda. And I think that carries through to today with the volatility that Jan just walked us through. So if I were to borrow another topical film, I think the CRO to lead the organization through this environment has to be the maestro, right? When you, when you think about the, the maestro and how they conduct the orchestra, they've got to get all the different sections working together to produce the symphony. The CRO has to coordinate across lines of defense, 
control functions, senior leadership, the board, external stakeholders, and the symphony in this case is a balanced risk-reward posture consistent with the firm's risk appetite that allows the bank to seize opportunities and do so safely. So they, they are the maestro. Our survey this year talks about the seven different roles or personas a CRO needs to play to be successful, and they've got to juggle all seven of these roles simultaneously, right? They are a fortune teller. They've got to envision potential impacts across a wide range of scenarios. They have to be a risk traditionalist, continue to enhance core capabilities. Financial risk, as one example, is certainly resurgent. They've got to be a fire watcher, right? Vigilant on monitoring external drivers and threats, such as the economy, developments in AI, and the rapidly changing cyber risk profile. They've got to be a transformative technologist. Innovation and digital transformation are constant. The CRO has to be management's guide on this journey and how to do so in line with safety and soundness and risk appetite. They've got to be a data guru. Data is that critical asset uh, to both run the BAU functions, but also to transform the firm. These things grind to a halt if the data isn't well-governed, well-controlled, and protected. They've got to be a geostrategist at this point. Uh, Jan talked about conflict across the world, right, near and far. That has an impact on every institution. And then finally, they've got to be a change agent. So, so balancing all these other hats, they've got to look at guiding the organization on the risks and opportunities around environmental risk and climate change, societal change, uh, changing customer preferences, and attracting Gen Z talent. So it, it's a full agenda, but it's also at the same time an exciting time to be in risk in banking. For sure. And when we asked the CROs to identify what are really their most important priorities when it comes to risks over the next 12 months, they basically said cybersecurity risk was first, followed by implementation of regulatory rules and then operational resilience. So, Peter, in some ways, you could argue that these are a perennial threats that we see year after year, and cyber has often been the number one risk. But were you surprised by these results, and how do you see the risk landscape changing? For example, last year, credit risk was the number one worry. Now it's not even in the top three. Yeah, it's, Martin, that's a, it's a good question. And I think to both Jan's and Tom's comments, the fact that the risk priorities are changing relatively consistently year over year speaks to the amount of volatility and just the changing environment that we're in. And so the fact that we've got new risks near the top as compared to the prior years, that doesn't surprise me. And I will not be surprised if next year what those top priorities are doesn't shake up again. Now, one of those, though, at the top consistently has been cyber risk. Uh, in fact, for the last five of the last six years, cyber risk has been the number one risk identified by CROs as the top priority agenda. When we started doing the survey, I think it was 2016 was the first time that cyber risk landed near the top and then really has stayed up there. And I think that will be, despite my comment of the movement in risks over time, I will not be surprised if cyber risk does not stay at the top or near the top going forward. And that's in part as we're on our digital journey um, and as the industry becomes more digital, what's at more risk of cyber attack continues to increase. But also as the sophistication of attacks, the volume of breach attempts, the vulnerabilities to third parties, continued use of cyber by bad actors to further their agenda, these are all items that have pushed cyber to the top of the agenda, has kept it there, and I think will continue to be a significant area of focus. If we look forward as it relates to cyber risk, 
with the introduction of quantum computing, the expanded use of AI, we can see just another level of complexity that institutions and CROs will be focused on in the cyberspace. Now, if you move to the regulatory risk, so implementation of new regulatory rules or meeting supervisory expectation, this is one that did jump up on the agenda. And if you go back over time, 2015, 2016, it was at the top of the agenda. And then it really dropped down significantly over the years and then has reemerged in this year's survey at number two on the list. And again, not surprising that we're seeing that. If we looked at the banking volatility that Jan referenced before this past year, a lot of attention to you know how did that happen? How well are institutions prepared for additional potential shocks that may occur? And then on top of that, you also have new regulation, whether it's the you know, Basel III in-game, whether it's new rules around sustainability, there is a lot on the docket for CROs. Um, what we're seeing now is it is not just those risk areas that uh, you'd expect, like liquidity, which jumped up the list, but it is any risk that has not been well addressed. Regulators are coming back to focus on those and to ensure that institutions are well prepared. So I, this is another one that I would not be surprised if it's not high up on the list again next year. And then Operational resiliency, that is also one that's new on the list this year. I look at that at some level as an extension of the cyber risk, but on a much broader scale. And to the the volatility and uncertainty that Jan and Tom referenced, as you think of how does an organization continue to maintain its operational resiliency in light of changing environments, in light of potential greater attacks, in light of a much more complex geopolitical environment and some separation occurring in supply chains around the world, you can see why operational resiliency is is high on the agenda this year. Yeah, and as you say, cybersecurity has been a top risk for some time. And when we ask the CROs, how do your own priorities align to what your boards think are the biggest risks, we indeed saw that they believe that cybersecurity is the number one priority for the boards, But that was followed by transition to digital strategy and then by business model risks. So, Jan, I wanted to ask you, how do you account for where the board is required to give the most attention here? Yeah, thanks, Martin. And it's a very good question. I read two things into it. The first one is that it's great to note that both chief risk officer and boards have cyber at the absolute top of the list. And I think, you know, Peter described it well, the nature of the risk is continuously evolving. And so that remains a top priority for both the executives as for the board. And that I think Peter has gone into good detail there. The second thing I read into that, though, I think goes back to what Tom highlighted before, which is that the chief risk officer is wearing seven hats. There's a lot of challenges and risks to deal with He's got the toolkit and the talent that he or she has. And I think this is actually a call for support and for oversight from the board on those particular risks. If you look at digital transition and business model risk, those are not necessarily the areas where CROs are spending the most of their bandwidth, their energy, where they have the tools and the network in place. And I think this is really a concern expressed by the chief risk officers that these are important existential risks, as we've also seen in the last you know, 12 months, because you know, business model risk can 
have severe impact on the institution, but where they're actually, you know, expecting the board to challenge the executives, not just the chief risk officers, but to challenge the executives on how do we control, mitigate, and monitor those risks that are less traditional in nature, but that, again, in the context of volatility and constant change, are dramatically impacted. And we see that, you know, in digital with the rapid transfer of information, you know, social media, instant payments that all have quite dramatic impacts on the risks that are faced by the bank that are not necessarily currently on the radar of the chief risk officer and and his organization. We also asked the CROs what risks they believe will be the most important for their organization over the next five years, so much further out. And it's interesting that here, climate and nature-related risk came in first, followed by the use of machine learning and AI, and then industry disruption due to new technologies. So very different than the one-year priorities. So I was going to ask you, Tom, and also what was interesting, Tom, is that the boards, that the CROs think that the boards have the exact same priorities for the next five years. So I was wondering, Tom, can you unpack these results a bit in terms of the five versus one year risk priorities? Sure. And, you know, number one, it's good to see, right, the CRO and the, and the CRO's view of the board is in alignment, right, because these are the forward looking strategic risks where we're going to be focusing our energies in five years. It is an interesting set of results because one could argue all of those five-year risks are today risks. These aren't undefined emerging items, right? They are very much known, very much present on the agenda today. So when I unpack the results and dig into them, I think, you know, while these five-year risks are acknowledged and we're looking at them today, the ones Peter brought us through, right, the cyber, the regulatory risk, resilience, that resurgence of financial risk, those are taking the most mind share today, right? That, that Those are the top of the to-do list before that first cup of coffee every morning for a chief risk officer. Whereas when I look to climate and AI, it's not that risk traditionalist hat or even the fire watcher hat. It's the change agent and the fortune teller hats, right? These are risks and opportunities that are going to evolve over the next five years. We've got to monitor how they're going to manifest themselves in terms of vulnerabilities and the CRO has to remain ever vigilant. But there's a lot of fires they're fighting right now. So that, that's how I kind of look at the difference between those two questions. Yeah. And one of the risks that we've seen rising over the last few years is a geopolitical risk. So obviously, when we undertook this survey, Russia had already invaded Ukraine. There are other conflicts brewing around the world. But back then, we didn't have a war yet in the Middle East. So so geopolitics has also increased since this survey was undertaken. So, Peter, I wanted to ask you, to what extent do you feel that for the CROs that geopolitical risks are becoming more important? And how are they responding to that? Yeah, so I, I think we saw in the survey this year that they are clearly becoming more important. And to your point, Martin, last year we saw a jump in geopolitical risk, a jump to number six onto the priority list that was in large part to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But we also asked the CROs, what do they believe geopolitical risk will be at the same level or higher over the next five years? And 83% of them said they expected it would be. So I think there's a recognition across CROs. We are in a increasingly fragile global environment and the risks that are faced therefore by their institutions externally are going to remain at an elevated level uh, for some period of time the conflict now in the middle east 
you know, just underscores how quickly a new event can occur and then how quickly it can also expand. And so I, I think we're going to see CROs to continue to focus on this. And if you think of the focus, you know, one is the scanning of you know, where are the hot spots, where could things go wrong? But then back to this resiliency topic, how well are they prepared for what could happen next? What does it mean to their customers, but also what does it mean to the operational resiliency of the organization? I think this is also a good example of how the risks that the CROs are facing today are so interrelated and how you can go from a geopolitical risk to a cyber risk to a operational resiliency challenge, you know, all in a very interrelated way that's not expected. So I, I think, you know, back to Tom's comments on just all the hats that a CRO has to wear today, you know, understanding the geopolitical environment and its implications and being prepared to respond quickly, you know, regardless of where the event comes from, I think is becoming a semi-permanent feature over the next four years for CROs. Yeah. And our survey also looks at how the risk management function is evolving and how it's changing given these risks. And so many of the risks that you mentioned are also external risks. So I wanted to ask you, Jan, how should the risk management operating model change, maybe from the boardroom to the front lines? And how can CROs build a more agile risk management function for the future? And Martin, you already highlight that it needs to be a well-oiled machine all the way from the first line, from the front line to the board. And of course, that's a, a journey. I think it's really about building up that agile organization, the organizational muscle to be able to respond to the risks that are persistent and that are coming. A number of things. First of all, it's actually the talent in the organization and particularly in the risk organization. Do they have critical thinking skills? And I think the whole skill set in the risk organization is changing. And I think a lot of chief risk officers are moving towards that more critical thinking mindset, both through recruiting, but also through learning and, and development. The second component is really having more adaptive capabilities and processes, not you know, having more flexibility in processes and in the capabilities that are being built up. I think that's especially important in the operational resilience space that Peter highlighted that's absolutely critical, with also more exercises and scenario planning to actually understand those risks or similar risks, and then how does the organization as a whole respond to it. So having more flexibility in those capabilities and processes, I think, will be crucial. A third component is leveraging technology, more automation of controls and taking away some of the burden of controls, of testing through automation and technology that ideally is also you know, adaptive, I think, is crucial. And while the technology creates, of course, challenges for the bank, as Peter highlighted, the chief risk officer and his organization should also be leveraging technology, AI, as maximum as possible. And finally, I think we see a lot of focus also on the data. How can I leverage my data faster, better? Can I visualize them better? Can I use them for scenario planning purposes, simulations, uh, etc. I think there's a lot that can be done with the data in the organization. But again, that requires often a purposeful effort and some investment to make sure that it contributes to that agility and reaction speed that is going to be so important for banks and their chief risk officers going forward. Great point, Sean. Thank you. 
One of the things that you raised was the need for talent, right? The need for new talent. And, and so I was wondering, Tom, how should CROs attract the skills that they're looking for, including in the first and second line of defense? And what skill sets are CROs currently having the hardest time attracting? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's all about building that agile risk management function of the future. So I'll take the second part of the question first. When we look at the skills they're having the hardest time attracting, it's a interesting mix of traditional risk disciplines and then some of these newer emerging topics. So the top one, no surprise, it's cyber, right? 62% said it's very difficult to attract all the cyber talent that, that's needed for a risk organization. But the second one was quantitative, right? A very traditional risk discipline, uh, 59% said quant skills are still very much in demand and scarce. And then an interesting mix of things like interest rate risk in the banking book, market and liquidity risk, and even operational risk, right? So a balance of the old and the new, if you will. And then the lines of defense point, the first half of your question, fascinating result was the CROs, over half of them said, both lines of defense will be adding headcounts over the next time horizon. Uh, I think one to 15% increase in headcount. So it's not just the CRO building up an organization. We've got to build up the line of business as well. So you don't want that to become a war for talent within the bank, right? We've got to do this in concert. We've got to do it together. And one final interesting point, uh, the number one skill set that the CRO thinks the line of business or the first line will be in need of is governance and control, right? Good old governance and control. And I think that's part of the continued evolution of the three lines of defense model and pushing accountability for all risks primarily into the first line of defense. Thank you. And as we look forward, as we look ahead, I wanted to ask how you see the impact of machine learning and a generative AI on risk management. So, Peter, although there is still considerable uncertainty about these technologies, including lack of regulatory clarity, how do you see risk managers and banks already putting these new tools, including machine learning and AI, to use? And how are these technologies also contributing to risk? And how are they helping mitigate risk? Yeah, that's a good question. And another opening on the risk frontier as far as what the what society and what the industry will be facing. I think, Martin, we're clearly in the early days of appreciating just the tremendous potential for AI across society broadly and also in the banking sector. And there's clearly a lot of activity and focus on use cases uh, across particularly the largest banking institutions and the potential for how AI can be applied. I, I expect banking institutions will be more cautious than other industries in the full adoption of AI, and I think clearly are highly sensitive to the risks that it potentially conveys as well. I do think we'll see this trend outside banking, but also inside banking. I think the biggest use cases we'll see at first will be more internally focused, so focus on things such as learning and analysis. And then over time, as there's more comfort with the use of, of the models and the capabilities to see that more in direct client interaction to support those services as well. I think in the in the risk space and Jan reference to you know how do you allow more time for critical thinking, I think we will see use cases where AI will be used to help better understand risks as they're emerging and to better summarize the nature of those risks to give uh, risk executives more time to interpret you know, what that means and how to address that. 
We are already seeing today a buildup in the risk management capabilities to assess use cases and to govern use cases within banking institutions. I believe you know banking institutions would be on the forefront as far as what does the right environment need to look like, what are the right controls need to be able to put in place, what's the right governance over that as we move forward. But I think broadly, if you look at where AI will take society broadly, where it will take the banking industry and how they're able to serve their clients differentially and also manage their risks more effectively, we're clearly in the early innings of where this will go. As it grows, managing this risk will also grow as another risk stripe on our very long list now of risks that CROs are being asked to manage. So lots of risks, but also opportunities. Tremendous. Great. Thank you, Peter. I wanted to ask you all a final question, and I'll start with Jan and then Tom and then Peter. So as a final question, I want to ask you if you have any concluding thoughts that you can share with our listeners about what we can all be doing to make our own organizations more resilient in a persistently volatile world. So I'll start with with you, Jan. It's a very good question, Martin. For me, it really comes back to that critical thinking. And I think both for an organization, but even for our individual lives, I think it's really important to think through where could the next you know, challenge, where could the next, next risk come from? And then, you know, frankly, build up the muscle and the resilience to respond to that. And I think we see a lot of value in you know, simulations. Uh, we see a lot more interest also in scenario planning and simulations to deal with certain risks. And even if those risks do not eventually realize, hopefully, uh, you build up muscle and resilience to basically cope with certain challenges, be it trade wars, be it you know real wars, be it extreme volatility in the market, things like that. So I think continuously driving that critical thinking, thinking through where the next bogey might come from, and then what you would do when that bogey comes around, I think is something we could all be doing in our personal lives and in our organizational responsibilities. Excellent. Tom. And thank you for having us today. Uh, we, we always love working with you on this survey and, and talking about the results. You know, when we go to that persistent volatility theme, right, it's not crisis anymore or going from crisis to crisis. It's persistent volatility and change. So, you know, to be more resilient, right, the CRO has to get the risk organization to just adapt to this level of volatility, right, balance those seven hats. It's not just the CRO that wears those hats. Everyone in risk wears them at different times. And then, uh, you know, I think back to when we first started the survey 13 years ago, right, a, a big theme was the CRO had to get a seat at the table, right? It was about promoting the role. They're at the table, but now it's, they've got to be at multiple tables and very important tables all the time. The biggest strategic decisions, the biggest external events, the biggest risk incidents, making sure they're there. And I, I was researching mission statements and, and mottos recently to get ready for a meeting with my team. And, and there was a great one for the National Guard in, in the U.S. And I won't do it in Latin because I'll get it wrong. But the, the U.S. translation was always ready, always there. And I think to be resilient, the risk organization has to be always ready, always there. 24-7. Thank you, Tom. Peter, any last thoughts? Yeah, just underline all that. And if you think of like which firms and which CROs are going to be the most successful, I think it's all going to come down to the quality of the data that's being used by an organization. 
to Tom's comments before, it'll start with what's the controls and monitoring of that information, but how quickly can you aggregate it up and how quickly can you use that information, therefore, to manage the risk in the organization that will be the same data that you'll need to grow the business and to serve your clients differentially. I think the firms that get that right, I think those are the ones that are going to do well, that can manage the risk and anticipate what's coming next, can see the trends that are there and do it with confidence. I think this also converges with the regulatory agenda, where we've seen a tremendous amount of growing attention to the quality of data within an organization and how that's used for decision-making. So I think there's a convergence between what's needed to grow an organization, what's needed to manage the risk of an organization, and what it takes to meet regulatory expectations, all encapsulated in the quality of data that's being used to manage the organization. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Jan. Thank you, Tom and Peter, for your great insights on bank risk management trends and for joining me on this IF Global Regulatory Update podcast. And of course, for our longstanding collaboration on this Bank CRO survey. The survey can be found on both the EY and IIF websites. And please feel free to reach out to any of us if you have any questions or want to know more. We thank everyone for listening to our podcast and please consider subscribing to the IF Global Regulatory Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. 